Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Amy Benton is a veteran general music teacher and choral director who has primarily taught at the middle school level for 14 years. A graduate of the University of Delaware and Temple University, she has sung under the direction of Dr. Paul Head and Dr. Rollo Dilworth, among others. During her time at the University of Delaware, she was a member of the prestigious UD Chorale and traveled to many different places on various choral tours to Europe and Asia. Upon graduating from the University of Delaware, Mrs. Benton began her teaching career in the school district of Philadelphia, teaching all levels from kindergarten through eighth grade for five years. In 2014, she accepted a position in the school district of Springfield Township, where she's been ever since. She currently serves as the general music teacher and choral director at Springfield Township Middle School in the suburbs just outside of Philadelphia. She always says it takes a special kind of teacher to teach middle school, but she truly believes that middle schoolers are awesome and so much fun. Additionally, Mrs. Benton has held positions in various choral ensembles and church choirs in the Philadelphia region. When she's not teaching, Mrs. Benton enjoys spending time with her husband, Rob, who is an elementary band director in the same school district, and her two young daughters. So this week, I have Amy Benton uh, on our podcast. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Robin Hodson, who covers the Middle Atlantic states and up to New Jersey, um, said to me, you know, Jim, I think the longest running Music First customer is in my territory and her name is Amy Benton and she's fabulous and you need to speak to her. And so with that, I called uh, or I emailed you, Amy, and you graciously agreed to come on the podcast. So thank you for being a longtime Music First customer and supporter. And and more importantly, thank you for, for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm really honored. And uh, I honestly and truly told Robin the same thing. I love using Music First. I said to Robin that I would not have you know, stuck with it this long if I truly didn't feel like it was of value. So I really love what you guys do and I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you've been there since the launch back in 2014 of the classroom and, and we're just absolutely thrilled uh, to see that kind of longevity. But before we get into like the tech side of things, whenever I start a podcast, I always, especially when I'm speaking to music teachers, I love, um, if you wouldn't mind, for you to trace your your career path, kind of tell your story about how you got interested in music, what made you decide to become a teacher, um, get into the where you went to school. And and um, I know you're a mud hen. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> my, my daughter came very close to going there. One of my younger daughter, she absolutely loved the campus. And uh, Suzanne Burton is one of my favorite people on the planet. She's wonderful. Uh, yeah. So why don't you give us like the five to 10 minute snapshot of your journey from music student somewhere to where you are today at uh, Springfield Township Middle School. 
Sure. Um, so I guess I'll start kind of at the beginning. <laughs> uh, music's always sort of been a part of my life. And I'm sure I, you know, I've listened to a few of these episodes and I know that a lot of people sort of say that. Um, and it sort of makes sense if you go into music, music is always kind of around in your yep. life. Uh, so my dad is, um, I consider him to be, you know, a really great untrained musician. He's kind of a self-taught guitar player and he awesome. taught, he taught uh, my brother and myself how to play when we were kids. Um, and we would, you know, we'd be driving in the car and we'd be listening to a song on the radio and he'd say like, did you hear that? The key changed. It went up by a half step. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like seven. I don't understand what that means, but okay. Um, <laughs> and so it's always sort of been like in my blood. And I just remember, you know, loving to sing when I was a kid and, um, you know, so I sort of started when I was in elementary school. I actually grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, cool. Um, All right. Yeah. And then I moved to Delaware when I was in middle school. So it was quite a, a bit of culture shock. I sort of experienced like the urban setting for elementary school and then quickly realized that the suburbs were very different. Now, I have um, a quick I have a quick interruption because the yeah. Frankel, the Frankels are from Brooklyn. And we have uh, a family store called Frankel's Army and Navy on in Sunset Park. Uh, that you could see right from the BQE. I'm just randomly asking, have you ever seen that crazy sign of my bald cousin with a shoe on his head? I haven't, but I'll All ask right. my parents. They okay. may have. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been in Sunset Park for over 100 years. So Frankel's Army and Navy, you'll have to check it out. Shout I out to definitely, my cousin. I definitely will. After All right, me. sorry. Whenever anybody <laughs> says Brooklyn, I'm like, Brooklyn! All right. No, I love... Uh, Brooklyn is my, you know, my home, my heart. I love it. I still... Most of my family is is elsewhere now, but uh, I still have a few who are hanging on. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn for the first 11 years of my life. Um, and I started singing in fourth grade in choir at school. And um, and then we moved to Delaware when I was 11 in middle school um, and, you know, st still loved singing, sang in the choir. And then I got to high school and I had, you know, that kind of aha moment. I had a really um, amazing choral director in high school and he sort of, you know, made me think like, wow, maybe I could do this as a career. You know, I love um, I love music. I love to sing. And I think it would be really awesome to do this for a living. Um, and do, you so want, he do you actually, want to give do you want to give that teacher a shout out? Yeah. His name is Dr. Joe Hawking. He just recently um, retired. He was uh, a teacher at John Dickinson High School in Delaware and uh, for a long time. And then he was an administrator at uh I think it was Cab Calloway School of the Arts in Delaware. Oh, cool. And then he just, awesome. yeah, he just recently retired. So he was a huge influence in my life. So Joe, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure he um, has a big smile on his face. That's yeah. awesome. So I, he actually let me um, conduct a piece when I was a senior at the, uh, the concert. He sort of had like a tradition of students who he knew were going into music. Um, he would let them conduct a piece. And that was like hugely in influential. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember him saying to me, you know, if you get lost, just go in circles, <laughs> you know, just like make circles until you find the beat. And that's what I did. And I still do that. You know, I still think about that to this day. Like sometimes I'll get lost in a concert or whatever, and I just make a circle and come right back. Um, but yeah, so I decided um, in high school that I wanted to pursue music. And then I um, was lucky enough to be in Delaware. And I knew that uh, the University of Delaware had an amazing program. I knew um, Dr. Paul Head was phenomenal. I didn't know how phenomenal until I studied with him, but uh, he was also a huge influence in my life. So I studied there. I was fortunate enough to sing in the um, 
you know, highly acclaimed University of Delaware Corral. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. We did um, some really cool international tours. We went to um, Sweden and Finland and Estonia when I was a sophomore, I want to say. Um, and we competed in this like crazy international competition and we actually won the whole thing, which was Is it, Was amazing. that in Tallinn? It was in Tallinn. Yeah, that was in 2007. And the big, the big Estonian Coral Festival? Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, that's like that's like one of the biggest coral festivals on the planet. Yeah. And oh, we, that's pretty cool. We won that in 2007. So that wow. was a pretty uh, life-changing experience. And then um, my senior year when I graduated, we actually um, did a tour to China, to Beijing and Shanghai, and we sang Very on the cool. Great Wall. Yeah. So I had like all these amazing um, opportunities and I was you know, so lucky to be a part of that. Um, and then I graduated from Delaware in 2009. Um, and from there, I went on to teach in the school district of Philadelphia. So I moved from Delaware to Philly. Um, and then I taught, I actually taught, I taught middle school for most of those. I taught five years in Philly. So mm -hmm. four of those five years were just straight up six to eight middle school. And then one year, um, I taught at a K to eight building, which was a wild experience teaching, you know, one period you have kindergartners, right? Yeah. And the next period you have fifth grade and then four. It was like, it was too much. My brain yep. <laughs> couldn't juggle that many, you know, obviously the way that you teach kindergarten is completely different than the way that you teach a middle schooler. So, yep. um, I realized pretty quickly that middle school was kind of my like niche. And I know a lot of people are like really, scared by like I love middle group. school I love, I love middle school it. Yeah. so much I tell my kids um now you know it takes such a special kind of person um I tell them it takes a weird person it does <laughs> to want I to agree teach. yeah and uh and I tell them you know don't worry that's a compliment right. um but yeah so I love teaching middle school I um in 2014 I started teaching uh, in my current position which is in um, Springfield Township. It's right. It's a really small community, a small suburb right outside of Philadelphia. Um, and I, during that time, I started grad school um, at Temple. And oh, so cool. I did that. Yeah, I did that part time. And I was working with uh, Rollo Dilworth, who is like awesome, an icon yep. in choral music. Um, and I just remember one day he told me to call him Rollo. And I was like, I I can't do I that. Can't. <laughs> you're, you're Dr. Dilworth. And I, right. I, I just, I can't, but, uh, he's like one of the coolest humans on the planet. Yep. Um, like amazing person, amazing teacher. And I got to work with him on my master's thesis. Um, so yeah, I've just been really fortunate to have some cool opportunities and work with some cool people. Um, and I love my current job and my current district. It's, it's, um, been a really awesome experience for the past, uh, nine or so years. And, plan on sticking it out for a little bit longer. Awesome. <laughs> so, that, yeah. That's fabulous. Um, so why don't you tell us about your actual music program at your middle school? Like how many teachers are there? What are your teaching responsibilities specifically? And how is the community supportive of your program? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we're, um, our school district is pretty tiny, actually. So we actually have only four buildings <laughs> total. Yep. Uh, we've got a K to K to two building. Um, and then we've got a three to five, which is actually my husband, Rob is the elementary band director at. The, All at right. Very cool. So Very we're, cool. yeah, we're a Springfield family. Um, he followed me there though. I was right. teaching there first and then he realized what a great district it was. So he came a couple years after, but, uh, 
So we've got a three to five building and then we've got the middle school, which is where I am. And then a high school. So the middle school is sixth through eighth grade. And then the high school is nine to 12. Um, so we're pretty tiny. <laughs> we're tiny, but mighty. Right. Um, so in my, so we've actually only got seven music teachers in our whole department, which is right. kind of crazy. Um, so we've got one at the, the elementary or the K to two building. We've got two at the, um, three to five building. And then we've got two and two at the middle school and high school. So that's great. I um, mean, yeah. mo mo most of my district, I taught in New Jersey, which is tons and tons yeah. of small little districts. Uh, every district I taught in, other than my first gig, was either one or two or three schools. So I totally mm -hmm. get it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got pros and cons, obviously, yep. but um, our community in general is really amazing and supportive. Um, they're really big into the arts, so I feel really fortunate. Um, but yeah, so I teach sixth through eighth grade. Uh, primarily, I teach general music um, for you know majority of the periods of the day, and then I've got my um, ensembles. So I have a sixth grade chorus just by itself. And then I've got a seventh and eighth grade, um, combined chorus. Uh, and we, you know, we've, we do the traditional concerts, we do our, our trips at the end of the year, our festivals. Um, and obviously since COVID we're like trying to do all the things, right? you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, it's really great. I really am happy there. And I'm really, uh, I feel really lucky because I know not everyone has, um, you know, such a yep. super supportive community and, um, you know, with COVID and budget cuts and all the usual things that people talk about. we All the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've we've been really lucky. Um, we've actually added, you know, music staff and music oh, that's faculty. Great. And, that's yeah, great. so it's a really good place to be. Cool. Um, so, Amy, uh, you know, how on earth did you get? First of all, I'm sure our paths have crossed at some point. I did a lot of work with Philadelphia, whether it was with Virginia Lamb, or Frank mm -hmm. Makos. Um, and, I know and both I, of those people. <laughs> and I and I've done I've done a bunch of professional development down there. Fabulous. Uh, Frank is a, a force of nature. I would say he, he really uh, is. How did you get interested in in music technology? And the reason I ask is that um, for better for worse, and I think it's much more. Um, for, for the worse, uh, to be honest, it's, when people think, oh, you know, using music technology, at least up until COVID, uh, that it was kind of a, a more male oriented thing. And mm -hmm. so whenever I mean, in my opinion, in my experience, some of the most amazing music tech teachers that I know are all women. But, you know, but then when you say add that layer of uh, also a choral teacher, it it becomes your your before COVID, I would say you're you're more of a unicorn for from my perspective, <laughs> in that you know a lot of uh, a lot of choral teachers tend to shy away from tech. So was it more your general music responsibilities that got you in there? Like how did you get interested in music technology? Yeah, that's all of what you said. I I find to be true. Um, and I on I'll be like totally honest. I never considered myself a super tech savvy person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I. Yeah, it was more of my general music. And it was sort of when my district went uh, to Chromebooks. Yep. So it was like my second, I think it was like my second year at Springfield um, when the kids had received like the one-to-one -one Chromebooks. And that was a huge deal, obviously. Um, and I remember thinking like, this changes everything, yep, <laughs> you know, it sure does. like there's so many cool things I can do now. Um, and, you know, it took a lot of baby steps and it took a lot of trial and error. And I, um, you know, I'm going to credit my husband because he's a pretty tech savvy person. So he right. kind of gave me a lot of, um, 
ideas and sort of showed me how to do things. But then I experimented and figured stuff out on my own. And I was talking to, I remember talking to um, some instructional coaches in our district and just trying to think of like new and cool ways to use this, right? Like we had this at our fingertips. This was something that in my mind revolutionized teaching was the kids having devices. Um, And so like, what do I do with this? You know, and like, a lot of I make this work for me and a lot of administrators and IT people, because these kids were walking around with these devices in their backpack, uh, you know, or or with them in class. What are you going to do with this in your mm-hmm. class became a very good problem to have. Yeah. And, and I know that music first happened to be literally in the right place at the right time when the Chromebook revolution started. Um, we were literally that that's when we launched is when Chromebooks came out and Google Classroom came out. Um, so is that one of the reasons? Like I'm just interested because you've been using the platform for over eight school years at this point. Like what drew you to us? And and was it something that you saw at a conference? Like how how did you find out about us? And how did what did what did your first implementation look like? So I found out about you because Robin came to visit us. Uh, <laughs> and, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So Robin, um, shout out to Robin Hodson because he's awesome. He's also a wonderful human being. He is. Um, he came to visit us probably, yeah, probably in like 2014. I remember um, to Erdenheim, to the elementary school, to one of our um, department meetings. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who arranged it, uh, but he came and he demoed this software. And I just remember thinking, like, he showed us all the different programs and all the things that it could do. And I just remember thinking, like, this could make my life so much easier. <laughs> like, there's all this prefab content, you know, because I was like, like everyone, we were all, you know, creating our own lessons. And right. And I always say the best things that I know I steal from other people, you know, yep, yep, <laughs> like yep, yep, I take yep. from other teachers. So I just remember being like in awe of all that this could do. And I was like, this is all integrated into one thing. Like this is just the coolest. And I immediately said to our department coordinator coordinator at that time, like we need, I need this. <laughs> so, <Awesome. laughs> yeah. And so I um, have been using it ever since. And I, it truly has been awesome, you know, especially like for, you know, lots of, lots of things. I mean, we use focus on sound, we use soundtrap, we use note flight. Um, but you know, on a day where I have to be absent, you know, I have two little kids, they get sick. (laughs) I have to be absent sometimes it's like a lifesaver because then they're actually, I can say, okay, log into music first, here's this assignment. And I know that they're not just doing busy work. They're actually, you know, learning and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful, truly. So are you using it with your choir at all, your chorus, or are you using it just in general music? Uh, pretty much just in general music yep. now. Um, I actually, Robin just came to visit again in December, and he was showing us some of the cool new things um, with Practice First and with Sight Reading Factory. So I do kind of um, want to look into that a little bit more for sure. But right now I'm using it for general music. And then um, I also have new this year, I have a music enrichment class, which is like mm-hmm. for kids who want to get a little bit more kind of in depth. So we've been using it for that too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. So one thing you said that I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it, the sub plans. I think that every music teacher listening to this podcast will nod their heads in agreement when I say the following, like, I would rather go to school with 105 fever than write lesson plans for a sub, right? I, that to me, like being out of school and having to like bring lesson plans in. I hated it so much 
you know, that I'd go to school sick. Uh, that's not real. I'm sorry to admit that. I probably wouldn't do that anymore, but I certainly did when I was teaching. And the idea of being able to just say from your bed at like 7 a.m. <laughs> saying, you know what, actually, I'm just going to I'll type this up and I'll have the, the kids will know what to do. Uh, you know, I never thought of what what I built as a sub plan, but mm -hmm. it is perfect. It's absolutely perfect because, you know, I used to like that. My poor kids would watch Beethoven Lives Upstairs, you know, 50 times uh, <laughs> in the in the course of the three years they were with me. I was out all the time doing conferences. I felt terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, though, for real. I think teaching is the only job, and I'm sure everybody listening can attest to this, but I, I truly feel like teaching is the only job where it is literally more work to be absent <laughs> because absolutely. it's just like so much easier to come in and do it yourself. And I think, you know, obviously with COVID, none of us would admit right now that we've gone into work sick, but like right. everyone has, you know, like right. you'd be lying if you said you didn't go into work sick. And that's part of it is because, you know, it's so much easier to just go and do it yourself. It sure is. And to write plans or, you know, give busy work or whatever. So um, yeah, I'm sure you didn't intend it as a sub plan, but it's <laughs> definitely uh, helpful in that way. Cool. Um, so, you know, this podcast is coming out in January of 2023. So we're recording this uh couple weeks before before uh, people are listening to it. I'd love to hear from you, you know, how has your middle school, how has your district bounced back, um, you know, post, I'm I'm assuming that because like, where I am in New York, you know, kids are not wearing, it's almost like it's the flu at this point and everything is fully back to normal where I live. How is it where you and how has your program bounced back? I mean, I'm sure like many other music teachers, you took a hit to your uh, numbers in terms of the performance ensemble, the number of kids. Just tell us how you, how's it going? What's a pulse check on your music program? Yeah, I think so. Everything, I, it feels mostly normal. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the occasional kid saying, oh, I'm going to be absent this week. I have COVID or whatever, but it's pretty much gone back to, um, you know, as far as like no restrictions and no mask requirements and that kind of thing. Good, um, good. It, it feels, yeah, it feels quote unquote normal, whatever that means at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody, but COVID was uh, <laughs> definitely the most difficult time of my career. I mean, it was just, and especially I think, you know, everything suffered and everybody suffered. Um, and I think the arts in particular, when, you know, there was all this discussion about singing and it was so like considered one of the most dangerous things. You oh, could yeah. do. Yep, yep. And it was like terrifying. And I just remember, like, I didn't even, I don't think any of us fully understood what was happening. And um, she's going to laugh when she listens to this episode. I had a student teacher, her name was Sydney Lamoureux, and she's going to laugh or roll her eyes because I told this story at the concert. But she was my student teacher from Temple, um, literally right before COVID happened. And I remember her sitting in my room <laughs> and she said, you know, I'm really worried about this coronavirus thing. And she's like, I think it's going to be really bad. <laughs> I looked at oh, her wow. and I was like, now it'll be fine like it's just gonna be like the flu like it's not gonna be a big deal like it's gonna be fine and then like literally a week later everything shut down yep and I texted her and I was like you were so right and she was like I didn't want to be right I'm sorry <laughs> and so she's gonna laugh because she actually um accompanies for me <laughs> she's a oh, that's great awesome. pianist yeah yeah and so she I told this story at the concert and then she just 
rolled her eyes and like said, <laughs> why did you tell that story? So now I'm telling it on a podcast. But, there you um, go. Well, Sydney, you were a hundred percent right. She was you, totally... you could obviously see much clearer. I think like every other music teacher, uh, every other parent, every other human, uh, we were just trying to wish it away and not yep. thinking what was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember thinking, oh, this is just going to be a two week, like extended yep. spring break. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And actually, so it was crazy because I, at that time I was pregnant with my second, I have two daughters, they're right. uh, four and two. So God I was pregnant, well, almost three, she'll be three in April. I was pregnant with her, my younger daughter and Sydney was, everything was all set up. She was graduating. She was, I mean, she was fantastic. She was actually supposed to be my uh, dog for leave. my maternity yeah. leave. And then like that all happened. And then that opportunity got taken away from her. And so that was crazy. And I still feel bad about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was wild. And we, you know, quickly like shifted to the whole like virtual thing. And it was just, you know, madness. Like, and I said in the beginning of this podcast that I don't consider myself like the most tech savvy person, which is why I kind of thought it was silly that <laughs> you were inviting me to be on here. But I guess I have learned a lot in the past right. couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, we had to learn really quickly. Like I've never really done any serious audio or video editing or anything like that. Um, and we just kind of had to learn, you know, in a couple of, uh, you know, quick, like, okay, here's what you do, like rundowns, but yep. yeah, we kind of were just like thrust into it. And I, you know, I, I, it was, I did it terribly at first. <laughs> and then the more videos I made, the better they became. And then I, you know, but yeah, that was that was really tough. And then doing um, virtual choir was a pretty tough sell. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I can't kids. imagine. I cannot imagine. Yeah, it was it was pretty awful, but we made the best of it. And I just remember sitting in my empty classroom, staring at a Zoom screen at my piano, and it was just so depressing. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we lost, you know, um, at that point. I don't probably even probably close to half or more of my kid. I mean, it was yep. like, yeah, it was, it was tough. And then I remember the following spring, um, you know, we did that weird hybrid thing for a while. That was fun. fun. <laughs> um, that was the then, worst. I don't know how anybody could have like looking at a zoom screen and live kids at the same time. I don't know how you do that. That was the literal worst. Like, yep. <laughs> I, it's one thing to have it one or the other, you know, like either you're doing all in person or you're doing all zoom, but to have it be like half and half, it was just a mess. Yep. I don't know how anyone thought that would work, but you know, we were doing the best with what we knew at the time. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then, uh, I remember when the, the following spring happened, we were slowly starting to move back to some stuff. And I remember when we first had our, our first rehearsal like back in person you know with all the spacing and the distancing and all that it was like i just felt so grateful <laughs> like yep, you know yep. the phrase you never you know what it. you have until it's gone like it really it made me realize you know i think it made everybody realize the power of human connection you know we just take it so much for granted and singing is um you know singing is so much more than singing you know yep. being in music in general is just this community and none of us realized, I don't think how good we have it, you know, until everything that we knew was kind of ripped away. So yep. yeah, we started trying to slowly build it back. Um, and then I remember another milestone was we had our performance at the end of that year and it was outdoor in the stadium. Um, mm -hmm. and that was a milestone, you know, that was our first performance in a while. Um, 
Yeah. And then now we're pretty much back to normal, but our numbers, you know, obviously suffered. So we're trying to rebuild. Um, yeah. We're trying to rebuild. Um, we're talking about actually possibly reworking our schedule for next year to try to make it a little bit better so that chorus and band are more of um, like a class during the day. Cause right now they kind of meet during like an activity time. Right. So luckily we have a really supportive um, admin, you know, it, and so we're trying to, you know, do all the things we're taking all the trips and doing all the festivals yep. and doing yep. all the things to kind of, you know, um, show that like, Hey, we're back, you know, <laughs> actually my, uh, my band colleague, his name's Matt Barlow. He and I did like a goofy video. Um, I think it was last year, uh, to the tune of, uh, you'll be back from Hamilton oh. <laughs> and we put on like Burger King crowns and like, you know, bathrobes and we yep. sang like oh, a parody fabulous. of, uh, you'll be back. And so it was like, you'll be back to chorus and band kind of thing. And it was that's like, awesome. Yeah, it was silly. So we did the, <laughs> we did the best we could to try to make the best of it, but I'm definitely uh, grateful that we're, you know, back now to sort of what we had previously. And and did you just have your winter concert? Uh, so actually our winter concert is next week. We oh boy. A, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I picked the perfect time to interview you. You're probably yeah. stressed out. That's no, okay. I actually right. think, yeah, I actually think we'll be They're They're pretty well prepared. So Fabulous. I think we'll be good. Yeah. All right. So um, first of all, you know, just one last one thing on what you said, and then we'll get into the the last couple of questions. And that, and that is that I, I am an eternal optimist. And I think that the last two and a half years have been so incredibly bad um, and rebuilding that any teacher that is made it through to the other side, right. And is now back will never complain about anything. You yeah. know, you know, the little things that we have to deal with, the annoying um, occasional annoyances that our administrators give us or the occasional things that supervisors or that parents or the kids give. To me, what I learned is just pure empathy. I, I don't care about all that stuff. I just look at the much larger picture now. And I think a lot of music teachers um, will be so happy and grateful um, and look five, 10 years from now in the rearview mirror and say, I made it through that almost as a badge of honor um, because it was horrible. There's no other way to say it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I appreciate everything you just said, Amy, very much. Um, so I'd love to know, like in your music, uh, you know, from the sublime to the ridiculous in your general music classes, how are you using music tech? Like what kind of projects are do you doing with your kids? Um, yeah, so we we use music, uh, music first and music tech in general um, for a lot of different things. Uh, I use it for in the beginning of each um, marking period. So I get new kids every marking period. We do right. sort of just like a music theory review, sort of like check in, like as much as I would love to think that they retain everything from year to year. I know that that's not true. Right. So I, I've been using, you know, music first um, software for that. Actually, some of the pre like preloaded content that's in there actually the music theory there's like a whole course it had like yep. seven units yep. um so that's been really awesome um and then in um seventh and eighth grade we do some composition stuff with no flight and then in eighth grade i actually do a soundtrack project um it's called the pledge mashup so they actually do like a sample but using like the pledge of allegiance oh wow <laughs> yeah so they actually take like the pledge of allegiance and then mash it all up and make it into like a cool sample so that's kind of fun um and then in seventh grade we do a um so this is like partially music first and partially not but we do right. a uh, a unit on music and film and then um we do a silent film project 
So awesome. they, yeah, we actually edit that in a program called we video. Um, oh, I love is, we video. That's I also fabulous. love we video. Um, it's great. And so we use, uh, they basically have to come up with a, a story that shows, you know, how we talk about how music and mood are connected and the musical elements that kind of make, you know, you feel a certain way. And we use the Jaws theme as an example. And then um, we talk about a silent, like what is a silent film um, and how does music really like, how is it extra important because there's no talking. And then they go and they come up with their ideas for their silent film. Um, they're about one to two minutes long. Yep. And then they, they go and they, they bring in their costumes and props and they, they plan it all out on a storyboard and they film it um, all around the school. And then they, uh, they Oh, so the kid, the kid, the kids actually film themselves in a they, silent movie rather than taking a pre-existing clip. Yep. They oh, do. They actually awesome. make their own. And it's a, uh, so this is actually, we were talking in the beginning about how technology sort of like how my experience with technology and my teaching kind of evolved. And this idea actually was from a student. Like I said something about let's make like a, let's compose music for a story or something like that. And one of my students um, at that time said, well, we should make a video. And then that's I was awesome. like, you know, that's a really cool idea. And I met with one of the instructional coaches at that time, he's working in a different district now, but um, his name's, name is David Newdeck, if you're listening. You <laughs> he go. was uh, phenomenal. And he gave me like all these resources, the storyboard that he had made. And we worked on the rubric together and we put it all together. And I've been doing this project and I have kids from high school come back and tell me like, that was my favorite project. Yep. It's yep. just, it was one of those things that's like so enjoyable and fun because they get to be super creative and silly and- <laughs> I've had kids do like sports themes and like murder mystery and like, obviously like school That's appropriate, awesome. but yeah, it's so fun. Um, and they love it. And actually speaking of that, Robin, um, just showed me when he came, there's a way now, which I literally just learned about that you can sync audio in note flight to yes. like a YouTube video, <laughs> which yes. I just started experimenting with too. Cause I was like, Oh, that would fit in really nicely with what we're doing. So, um, yeah, those are, those are some of the things. That That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the uh, the silent film because what I used to do, I found many years ago, I found a website called archive.org. And anyone listening, never take your students there. Caveat, never take your students to <laughs> archive.org. But for adults, it's fine. And then in archive.org, there was the Prelinger Film Archives. And in the Prelinger Film Archives, there were all the old Charlie Chaplin films out of copyright um, ready for you to compose to. And my kids loved composing. I used GarageBand back then. That's that's the only product that uh, I had in my, I had Sibelius and GarageBand in my lab. And the kids loved it. They loved doing the Foley effects, making the doors opening, banging into stuff. Yeah. Um, but the idea of the kids making their own film is one of the coolest things I've heard in a while, Amy. That's super cool. Yeah, they really love it. Um, it's really... It's really fun. Oh, that's really, great. Yeah, they love it. All right. So I got two last questions for you. Um, the first one is about advice. Um, and the the advice question is always like, what would you what advice would you give to other music teachers who are thinking of incorporating music tech into their programs? Before I before you answer that though, earlier you said that you learned kind of almost being by thrown in the deep end. You had your husband uh, knows some stuff and would show you things and then you'd go and figure it out. I mean, what other types of training have you had? What kind of advice would you give 
Um, because I think, I mean, this question, I might need to actually rewrite it because I think every music teacher had to incorporate. So it could be that, you know, what will you keep? But I'd love to hear from you, like, what do you think in terms of training? How did you get training and and, and what advice would you give for people looking for it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, one of the biggest things I would say is start small. You know, yep. I think technology can seem really overwhelming, particularly when, um, you know, I'm sort of in that weird, like middle generation, I guess I'm considered a millennial. Um, but I sort of grew up with technology, like kind of, I had it growing up when I was like, you know, maybe in late elementary school, the internet was just starting to be a thing. And then cell phones weren't really a thing until I was older, you know, close yep. to high school. So I was kind of like in that middle generation who kind of grew up with it and kind of didn't. Yep. But I think if you're in a generation where like you did not at all grow up with technology, I think it can be really um, like scary and intimidating and overwhelming. And I think a lot of um, veteran teachers kind of felt that, like yep. myself included during COVID, um, because it was so new. So I think if you start small and you pick like one small thing, maybe it's like a lesson that you want to try to incorporate technology. Um, you know, like it can be a little bit less overwhelming if you yep. do it, you know, in sort of smaller pieces. Um, and you know, I know everybody says this, but like seek help, you know, so we yes. had, um, we have really fabulous coaches in our district. We have technology staff who is really awesome. Um, seek, you know, resources. I don't know that I've had like formal training per se. I think it's just been kind of that informal, like, Hey, you're kind of techie. <laughs> like <Right. laughs> tell me what you know about this or like, how do I do X or like, is there a way to, you know, do whatever. Yep. Um, so I would say like, start small, figure out maybe one thing that you can reasonably manage. Um, and then I think once you start to get more comfortable, you know, then try to figure it out, but, but don't be afraid to find, you know, people who are quote unquote techie yep. <laughs> um, to help you. I think those two things kind of helped me. I started small, you know, one thing at a time. And once I got more comfortable, I started doing more and more. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I either fat sought out resources. I mean, YouTube is a great resource. Like it sure I, is. I can't yep. tell you how many times I've YouTubed like how to X and then I find like a video and in two seconds and like I don't know how we lived without YouTube. So agreed. Yeah. I mean, Google and YouTube are like your best friends. <laughs> yeah. And I think your advice is great with the start small. I say that every single time. It's almost on I close out almost every presentation with with those with those exact two words at the mm -hmm. top of my slide. You know, take a project that you let's say you were having your students do a project on Mozart right? And they had to do biographical information, that kind of blah, 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 blah. Just swap it out with a podcast. And mm -hmm. that's it. Like, that's all you have to do to get started. I love your, I love the start small and the seek help advice, Amy. That's fabulous. So I only have time for one more question for you and it's the magic wand. And I think I know where you're going to be headed, but you might get, throw me a curveball. Um, if you had a magic wand, it could change something that music first doesn't do right now. Uh, or music tech in general, what would it be? So I so I'm gonna admit openly that I sort of had a hard time with this. Like okay. I was looking at when you sent me your questions, I was looking at the questions and every other question I was like, yeah, I got that, I got that, I got that. And then I got to this one and I was like, hmm, <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like music tech can do so much. Yep. You know what I mean? It was hard for me to imagine like 
what can't it do that I want it to do? Like, I already feel like it can do so much. But one thing that did actually come to mind, I don't know that this is the direction that you're thinking I'm going. Um, this might be the curveball that I'm throwing you. There you go. So as a as a coral person, I always I've I've often thought about this. So one of the cool things about technology in general, and I think we've gotten so used to everything being instantaneous, right? Like we're yep. in that Amazon culture, yep. like you order something, it comes the next day. Like kids are used to that. They're used to that like instant feedback. Mm -hmm. And if you take like more than, you know, a couple of days to grade something like, you know, heaven forbid, um, they're like, where did you grade my assignment? Did you like, so the nice thing is about some of those music first assignments, you can just like spit out a grade, you know, they're just yep. used to that instant feedback. So I was thinking about how can I apply that like instant feedback to choral singing? Um, and so I was thinking about like, when I take my kids to a festival and we go for an adjudication, you know, they're, they're looking at the score. They're talking about, accuracy, obviously, but they're also thinking about things like blend and dynamics and diction and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I was thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if there was some kind of program that could sort of like evaluate your choir, like in real time and not just like on the accuracy of the notes <laughs> or the rhythms, but like, wouldn't it be cool if it could, if it could detect like balance and blend and like, you know, more alto here, <laughs> you know, wow. I don't know. I was just thinking also like whenever we go to one of those festivals, you know, as many times as I say something to my students, they always listen more when it comes from somebody else, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if there was some kind of like web-based adjudication thing where like you could even just use it in your rehearsal and like, okay, let's sing this and I'm just going to press a button and it's going to tell us what we need to work on. So that's sort of where my brain went with that. Amy, I, that is a complete curveball. I am going <laughs> to speak, I'm going to speak to our little geeks and uh, elves in the development world. Uh, you know, I think there's with the new chat GPT that just, you know, has emerged in the last month or so. And, uh, um, AI getting better and better. I, it's a little bit on the scary side having a having a computer evaluate, but I love the idea of having uh, actual choral adjudicators give feedback on on existing performances and then take the recording and try to compare it and say, well, this amazing choral adjudicator would have said this. Mm -hmm. um, ooh, I like the idea. It's very cool. <laughs> I'm curious where you thought I was going to go, though. I thought you were going to say uh, that 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 Soundtrap had film scoring built in, because when you talk about know. when you talk about we video, you know how the kids sync up their music in we video is a little bit clunky not nothing against we video right but they have to like sit there and try to time it out if yeah. there's any you know like uh moments that they need what we would call hits where they mm -hmm. need to all right when this door slams we want this music to happen um yeah that was a that's where i thought you were going but i really like your curveball that would be cool though yes uh, i will i i talk to them all the time they keep saying no i'll keep trying <laughs> okay <laughs> um, Amy, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with me. I, I can see why Robin uh, recommended you. You're you're a delightful person to speak to. Seem like thank an amazing you. music teacher, and, and keep doing great things. And thank you so much for your support over these last eight plus years. You're welcome, and thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, have a great rest of your school year. Have a great concert. It'll probably be over by the time this episode comes on, so I'm it sure will. it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Jim. Oh, you got it. Take care, Amy. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, 
please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.